0: You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at LifechurchIn.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Ross Steele. Uh, last week Pastor Kathy was here and, and I just to, to recap uh we, we came and, and we saw that Amnon had violated his sister uh, uh, Tamar and, and violated, he raped Tamar, okay? And there, were, there was a hard passage. I know for, for many people, you, you, you've been a victim uh, of that or, have, uh, or know somebody who has. And I wanted to just make some things clear uh, that, that Amnon was solely at fault for, for for what had happened to Tamar. Um, because of because of how he was raised and, and, and David he, he was raised by David who who he went and, and took what was his what he took what wasn't his and, uh, and, and and Amnon basically just goes and does the same thing he goes and takes what doesn't belong to him he goes and takes what is what isn't his and ultimately uh, what we can take away from this is that is that the uh, the, the, the sins that we have or the sins of, of our parents or, or, or grandparents can very well be passed on to kids. This is generational sin. All right, and I've talked about it before and we're not gonna get all that much into it today, but we have to be mindful. We have to be careful of who we are as parents, as grandparents, and also even as children. Like we, we can be mindful of, of the sins of our own parents and the sins of our own grandparents and recognize that we aren't, we don't have to live in that sin. We can, we can break that generational sin. We can break the generational stronghold and we can be free in the name of Jesus. And I just wanted to bring us up to, to where we are now and, uh, and we come to today's message, which uh, I've titled The Root of Unforgiveness. And uh, we have sermon notes. If you didn't get any sermon notes on your way in, uh, you can raise your hand and, and uh, we'd be happy to, to get those for you. But. Uh, we're gonna start in 2 Samuel chapter 13, uh, verse 22 and 23. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over real quick. But Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister Tamar. Now it came about after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in baal which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's son. And what we get from this is that when, when Absalom found out Absalom found out that this had been done to his sister Tamar. He, he, he asked Tamar and, and she, he knew right away. He said, he said, did Amnon violate you? Like he, he, he just could tell by her expression. And, and yet he doesn't do anything in this moment. Two whole years go by before, before we get to where, the text that we're in today. And uh, what that goes to say is that nothing is more unsafe to be trusted than the fair looks of a festered heart. What that means to say is like you could have wronged somebody, somebody could have wronged you. But if you've maybe wronged somebody, like in this case, Absalom was wrong. Tamar was really the one who was wronged by Annan, but Absalom was wrong because he had a great love for for his for his sister, and so he he grows defensive in this, and and he just he just looks on. He has fair looks of a festered heart, and and that's that's dangerous, like. Amnon should have been like, oh wait, he's not mad at me. Like he should be suspicious, but no, he's not. He just goes on. So two whole years go by. Absalom sits with hatred and unforgiveness for two years. And that's a long time to be holding on to a, a wrong that is done against you or, or somebody you love. And, and there's a lot that can happen in those two years. The enemy can really uh, really use that root of unforgiveness, that root of hatred to, to use you to, to, to do something that you really don't wanna do, but it's not something that, that isn't in line with God's word, most importantly. In 2 Samuel 13, 24, it says, Absalom came to the king and said, behold now, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. So he's begging. Absalom, he, he's begging to David. He said, please let him come. Like, I, I, it's, a, it's a festival that's going on here. What we realize at this time, sheep shearing is like Super Bowl Sunday. There there's like it's a whole festival they got they got drinks they got food they got charcuterie boards probably except they don't probably have boards it's all probably on the floor but uh they, they get, they're drinking whatever they're drinking, and it, it's a big festival. It's, it's, it's a nice, it's a big event that they put on. Like, it's something that, that you want people to come to. If you're hosting a party, you don't want nobody showing up, especially your family, right? So unless you got some crazy family, maybe you don't want them coming. But in this case, he wanted everybody there, but it's not because he wanted to celebrate the sheep shearing. It's because he wanted to use it. He wanted to disguise it, to use it to, to take out uh, Amnon for what he had done two years prior. In 2 Samuel 13, said, or, uh, verse 27 says, but when Absalom urged him, he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. So he's begging his father. He's saying, he's saying dad, please, like I, at least let Amnon, at least let Amnon and the sons come and, and you know, they'll, go, they'll go in your honor. Basically uh, what he uses, he uses Amnon because Amnon's the oldest. And what he, Absalom does is he uses Amnon to say, well, if you're not gonna go, at least let your son Amnon go in your honor, to, to kind of be like in, in your image, uh, be there in your image. And David, he had no retribution towards Amnon for raping Tamar. He hadn't done anything. He, 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 was, he was angered, but he never actually disciplined. He never gave correction. He didn't do anything because in his mind he realized, Oh well, I, you know I kind of, you know I kind of did the same thing. I took I took Uriah's wife, uh, and and you know I slept with her, and then I went and murdered Uriah. So you know Amnon just he, he he did it because of uh, because he he saw me do it. So he's kind of given him grace in that sense. But as a parent, we are to discipline our children. I was disciplined a lot, believe me. And, and, and there were times where it, I didn't think it helped, but other times where it did help. And at the end of the day, I look back at it now and I'm like, okay, I see what was going on here. But we're just, we are to discipline our children. And we have to give correction, especially to our children, no matter like, what age they are. Like, obviously, when they become adult children, it's a little different, but it becomes more like a, like a, a counsel. You're just like, hey, I really think you should do this or that. But when, when something like this happens, especially, I'm sure you parents probably in this room, if something like this were to have happened, you wouldn't just let it go on in anger. You would, you would give correction, you would give discipline, and you would do something about it. But in this whole case, Absalom, he manipulates his father to act on his own unforgiveness. He hides the fact that I'm throwing a festival, I want, I want at least Amnon there in your image. But really what he's doing is he's trying to get Amnon there so that he could take advantage of him and cut him off, murder him. Second Samuel, chapter 13, verse 28. Absalom commanded his servants saying, "'See now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine,' And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then put him to death. Do not fear. Have not I myself commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. The first part of verse 29, the servants of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. What do we see here? We see some similarities ultimately between Absalom and David. We see, some, we see a lot of similarities here. Uh, when we look at how Absalom, uh, how Absalom treated Uriah after he had slept with Bathsheba, he took another man's wife, and then to cover it up, he goes to uh, uh, get Uriah killed. So both men killed in order to get something. Both men do. David kills Uriah, Absalom kills Amnon. Amnon wants not justice, he's going for vengeance. He, you may be able to say, no, that's just, no, that's not justice, that was, that's, that's vengeance. Only God God is a just God, and only God brings justice, and and you can't take things into your own hands. That that is vengeance to all degrees, and I believe that there was a dual purpose in Absalom killing Amnon because you take Amnon out, then who's next in line? It's not Absalom right away, but it gets him closer. It gets him closer to taking over, taking over, uh, taking over the kingship, and I think that there is dual purpose. He wants vengeance, yes. He wants vengeance for what he had done to his sister. But I also think it it, it played into his hand of being like, oh, I get closer to being being able to be king. So there's selfish motive involved as well. And both men ordered the murder by the hands of their servants. They didn't even have, can't say that. They didn't even have the the, the strength to do it themselves. You all knew where I was going, okay. I couldn't say it. I'm sorry. But they didn't have the strength to do it themselves. They, they had to. They had to do it by their servants. Like, that, they're, they're cowards, ultimately. They, they, didn't, they didn't have the strength to, to do it by their own hand, but they're gonna make somebody else do it for them. That's, those are weak leaders. Those are weak men. In both cases, alcohol was involved. I'm not gonna sit up here and say alcohol's terrible, like never, ever, ever, ever drink it. No, we're told that to not be drunken with alcohol, not be drunken with wine. Drunkenness is not what we want. What happens in both these cases, they get David and Absalom, get these men that are trying to kill, drunken with wine. Marry with wine is what this text says. And, and to do that, though, is because then you can take advantage of these people. Because when, when you are in that state of drunkenness, you're not in your right mind. You make decisions, you, you, you do things, you say things that, that really, that, that aren't, they're not sober thoughts, they're not, you're not coherent. You don't know what's going on. And so they're trying to take advantage of them in this case. In 2 Samuel 13, verse 30, it says, Now it was while they were on the way that the report came to David, saying, Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. The words that we have here, not one of them is left, this is fake news. Fake news. Y'all have heard the term before, okay? It's fake news. We hear a lot of fake news in the world today, okay? That's just truth. And that is not fake news. The The news that we have fake news is not fake news. That's true news. But, uh, this is fake news, there's not, there's not a, a single thing in the text that says that they're all dead, but they come and deliver this word that they're all dead. And, and David, he, he, get, he gets upset, he mourns, he does all this, but uh, there's, a great, there's, a great, uh, there's a great soldier, a great uh, mighty captain, who uh, I believe his name uh, was John Patton, and he says, uh, you can't believe the first reports from the battlefront, they're either greatly exaggerated or underestimated. What does that, how does that relate to us? Because oftentimes when things happen in our life or to those near to us or those that love us, we need to gather all the information before, before making a decision on things. And I'm generally not one who gathers all the information. I'm just shoot from the hip, let's go. But uh, it's important. I recognize the importance of gathering all the information. And this is what goes on here. You know, The, the report came, they're all dead. No, that one, yeah, fake news, but also we have to be able to, he has to be able to go look and say, what actually happened? What actually took place? Because I'm not gonna give a judgment on something that I don't know all the information about. And we have to do the same thing in our own life. In verse 32, we continue. Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, responded, do not let my Lord suppose they have put to death all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead because by the intent of Absalom, this has been determined since the day that he violated his sister Tamar. Now remember, Jonadab was also the one that gave Amnon the idea to act sick and then command for, uh, have David make Tamar come, make him his meal and bring him, bring him the meal. Jonadab, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a crafty and, and mischievous. And this is really ultimately to position himself. Because he was the first one. He gave that he gave that idea to Ammon. He planted that seed in Ammon's head, said, Hey, you should do this, and then you could have your way with Tamar. But now, now here he is. He's he's now he's positioning himself with the king, saying, delivering the good news, saying, hey, no, not, not everybody's dead. It, it's just, it's just Amnon. And he's positioning himself in a way to 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 be at the at the in the pocket really of all these powerful people. Um, he he does it with Ammon and he does it here with David. And ultimately, this is our reminder for us today that God is fully aware of our intentions, our thoughts, words, and our actions. He is, he's fully aware. So just as Jonadab, he, he may have ill intentions, he may have these ill thoughts of what he's gonna do with this information. And we, we've all probably been there in our life. We, we haven't had the best thoughts. We haven't had the best intentions. You know, our words, our actions don't show up, but whether, whether we act on or not, God still knows our thoughts and he knows our intentions. Like I could, I could genuinely, I could, I don't, I could come up here and say, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great honor to, to preach and, you know, say, you know, all glory to God, this and that. But if my intention isn't in line with the heart of God, then I'm gonna, destruction is coming my way, ultimately. And we have to make sure that our heart is in line with the word of the Lord at all times. And we have to be reminded of this. In verse 37, we continue. Now Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. Talmai is the grandfather of Absalom. Why does he go there? Because I believe that it is a safe place for him. It's, it's family, but, but I, don't, I don't, like if he went to David, you don't know what's gonna happen. David David might respond not so graciously, but he goes to Talmud because it is his grandfather and I believe that it is a safe place for him. He can can get away. In Exodus 22, uh, it actually says this, if a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and lies with her, he must pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the dowry for virgins." Deuteronomy 22 also says, right along the same lines If a man finds a girl who is a virgin who is not engaged and seizes her and lies with her, they, uh, and they are discovered, then the man who lay with her shall give to the girl's father 50 shekels of silver, and he shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her in all his days. What is this saying? This talks about what we read about last week, what was spoken on last week. But really, ultimately, if David had administered biblical correction, Absalom would not have administered his own brutal correction. This is why it's important for us to give correction, the, 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 the right correction when, when it's due. Because otherwise somebody else is gonna probably come along and try to give their own correction, try to give their own judgment and, and it leads them to their own destruction. And we wanna, we wanna protect people from leading themselves down a path of, 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 of wickedness. In verse 30, 39, we continue, the, the heart of King David longed to go out to Absalom for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. He longed after three years, after three years he goes and, and, and he, he goes away and after three years he, he's longing, he wants, that, he wants his son back and what we see because he wants his son back even though he had killed his other son that David's indulgence towards Amnon is repeated with Absalom. He, Amnon was kind of like his, his favorite son. I mean, he was his first son. So he, he had an indulgence for Amnon. And then we see it here again with Absalom. He, he's basically saying as a father, you guys, you know, you, you keep doing all these wicked things, but I'm not gonna correct you in them because I love you. But I, I, I don't agree with that. I believe that if you, if you really truly love somebody, then you should give correction or else you're leading them to their own path of destruction. We have to be that. As as friends, families, believers, fellow believers, we have to hold each other accountable. We need to hold each other accountable. And we have to be able to receive the correction ourselves. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord because when the correction comes, because it will, because we're not perfect, not even me, we have to be able to receive it with humble hearts. What do we take away from all this? Is that when we push God out, we find ourselves knee deep in the painful consequences of our own sin. It's hard to, in these cases, they're, they're, they're taking what, what Absalom would say is justice. It's not, it's vengeance. And, and he's trying to do it in his own power. He's trying, to be, he's trying to be judge, jury, and executioner. He's trying to play God in these cases. So he's pushing God out by taking his own route that he thinks needs to be done. He's pushing God out. And then we have the, the painful consequences. He's gonna have these painful consequences, we'll see that. Anger is the root of unforgiveness. No doubt he is angry, no doubt he was angry. If somebody wrongs you, violates you, or somebody you love and care for and cherish, no doubt you're gonna be angry. I get that, I'm not saying he shouldn't, shouldn't be angry. But he needed, he needed to, he needed to learn how to deal with his anger. He needed to learn how to forgive. He needed to learn how to deal with uh, Amnon from a biblical correction standpoint instead of just trying to go and, and, and play God because destruction is coming. And what we see here is because of David's sin uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah, it's going through all, all, his, all his children. His children are being punished because of his sin. That's what's happening here. And we must take our anger and unforgiveness very seriously. Otherwise, it will boil over and those around us will suffer. See what you guys, what we don't realize is is that if we don't deal with our unforgiveness, if we don't deal with our hatred, if we don't deal with our anger, then really the only people we're hurting is ourselves and those closest to us. Because the enemy likes to use that unforgiveness. He likes to take it and and, and twist it in our hearts and, and then we and then we grow angry and then and then we react to things in greater ways than we really shouldn't be reacting you know so greatly towards and 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 we just lose sight of of, of who who we are. We lose sight of whose we are at times, and we try to we try to play God in our own lives. But see, when we when we forgive others We're releasing a prisoner. But then after some time, we realize that the prisoner we're releasing is ourself. Holding on to unforgiveness, I've heard it said this way, holding on to unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies from smoke inhalation. I mean, it, you you think you think if you just hold on to this? No, I'm not forgiving you for that because you hurt me and you did this. Yes, I understand that you you've been hurt by this, that, or the other, but you have to release it because it's not your fight. It's like it, God God is a just God. Justice will come, and you have to trust. We have to trust that God will always come through. In every case, in every scenario, no matter how badly we were hurt, no matter how badly we've hurt others, but not only do we have to learn how to forgive others, we also have to learn how to forgive ourselves. Because there was, there was a long time, a long time that it took the Lord was working on my heart for me to forgive myself, for, 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 my, own, for my own past, for my own doings. It took a long time, and it wasn't until this past Easter when I gave kind of my testimony message was when I really felt like, like true freedom was taking place, that I've actually been able to forgive myself because there was so much shame, there's so much, so much guilt in our lives when we choose not to forgive ourselves. But you've heard the phrase, uh, hurt people hurt people. We could say it this way, forgiven people forgive people. We've been forgiven. There is is nothing in your life that you have done that has not been forgiven. And you have to be able to forgive yourself. And you also have to forgive others for the wrongdoings done against you. In Romans one, it says this, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand, Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace. We have received grace, and we must also extend grace. See, Jesus is not only the son of David, he was and is the son of God. You, you look at this, the story of this family. You look at David, you look at all the, all the sons and all the wickedness that's happening here, and it's mind-blowing to think, Jesus, the Messiah, came from this bloodline? Why would they, why would they be chosen? Why would they be used? I think it's to paint a picture for us that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, we can be used for God's glory. And he will use us if we let him, if we step into it and say, God, I'm all yours. I surrender this all to you. Use me as a vessel of honor for your glory. You see, grace is God responding to us according to his mercy and favor, not according to what we deserve. We deserve so much worse. Let's be honest with ourselves. We deserve worse. But well, we, don't, we don't get that because we have great mercy and favor because of him. And because of this, we can respond differently in the, in the face of lust, guilt, anger, unforgiveness, etc. Add whatever you want on here. We can respond differently in the face of all that because of what we have received through Christ Jesus. And I wanna read a declaration, a declaration of unforgiveness that uh, comes from actually uh, Freedom Group. Freedom Group is one of our life groups. Uh, and we have our Freedom Conference coming up. And if you haven't gone through a Freedom Group, we're gonna be launching Freedom Groups again in, in, the, in the winter, uh, spring semester. And I really want, I want everybody, my goal is to get everybody through a Freedom Group. 100% of our congregation are going through Freedom Group because there's great power in it. I really believe that. And there's a declaration in one of, the, one of the weeks talking about forgiveness. And I wanna read just the declaration because I think there's great power in it. It's not in your notes, but if you wanna take a picture, you can. I do, not, And this comes from, uh, it's inspired by Romans 12, 17 through 21. I do not repay evil for evil. I am careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on me, I will live at peace with everyone. I will not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath because God has promised he will handle it. On the contrary, if my enemy is hungry, I will feed him. If he is thirsty, I will give him something to drink. I will not be overcome by evil but I will overcome evil with good. This is what we can live by because we're all gonna have enemies in our life. We're all gonna have people who do, who, who do us wrong and we're gonna be hurt. We're gonna be offended at times, but we have to learn how to, how to treat those people in the face of it all. We have to learn how to release those people in the face of it all. We need to learn how to forgive, not just others, but also ourselves, and I wanna give you guys an opportunity today. If you have your sermon notes, the, the, the fill in the blanks, at the end, there's a bunch of lines that some people you know, use for extra notes that come about during the sermon. But I wanna give you this opportunity to just sit in this space where, if you know somebody's on your heart, somebody's on your heart that, that you haven't fully forgiven. Maybe even it's yourself. It doesn't have to be some big thing. It could be a small thing. But if you haven't released it, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, It could be recent, but if you haven't released it, I want you to write that name down. And this is just for you. This is just for you as a a reminder to be praying through it. Our prayer team's gonna come forward. And if you guys today are seeking and you're saying, yes, today I'm, I'm gonna release these individuals. I'm gonna release them from my unforgiveness, because I want to be free. I want to be free. It's not about what they've done or didn't do, but it's about what God is calling me to do. And he calls us to forgive, seven times 70. We forgive over and over and over and over and over and over and over because we've been forgiven over and over and over and over and over and over. He wants that for you today. He calls us to that. So as you write those names down or a name, it could be a singular name, it could be a number of names. I want you to write it down and and I strongly encourage you to come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us pray with you. Let us pray through this forgiveness. And maybe you feel like it doesn't happen today, but we're taking steps in the right direction. And we continue to pray and we continue to release. We continue to forgive. But there is great power in prayer. There is great, great power in prayer and we are a praying church, so I want you to come forward. And maybe if you're, you're here today in life and you like haven't really forgiven yourself and you've really beat yourself down in a way because of things you've done, I want you to come and release it. Lay it down at the altar today. God doesn't look at you for, for your past. He doesn't look at you for the things you've done. He looks at you as a son and daughter. He looks at you as a son and daughter and he, and he welcomes you with open arms. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.